In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Carol Rains about an uncommon approach to dropshipping. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 42. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulesky, and I'm here today with Carol Rains. Carol is the founder of Rustic Artistry, an e-commerce retailer that drop ships handmade rustic chic furniture and decor. So I thought that business model was very interesting and I wanted to talk a bit more about it with her. So hey, how are you doing today? I'm great, Charles. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it was great having you on. I know um, I read through your bio and it seems like you do a few different things, but this one seemed very interesting. So I guess to start, what, this isn't the only business you run, right? There's a couple different things you do in e-commerce? Yeah, I have I have two different e-commerce businesses. So I started with Rustic Artistry um, five years ago now. And um, once I had sort of uh, learned the ropes with that, after a year or two, um, I decided to branch out into a, a second e-com business, totally different business model. And that's um, a natural skincare business uh, called Emu Joy. Um, so I'm I'm spending most of my time on focusing on rustic artistry, uh, primarily because the other business is mostly Amazon based and you kind of uh, are taking a risk <laughs> with uh, with an Amazon based business these days. So I feel that rustic artistry is a, a very sustainable model and there will always be lots of new artisans that I can work with and people looking for, you know, unique and creative decor for their homes. So I think there's a lot of uh, room for growth with that business. So, okay. So I guess the Amazon business real quick, that's, you're sending, you're, you're building skincare products yourself or having them manufactured and you're running them through FBA. Is mm, that kind of? Cor okay. Correct. Yes. And I have a Shopify store with that too. But most of that, it sounds like Rustic Artistry is kind of the, the brand that you're building and the skincare is a smaller type thing. Is that? It is. It is. Um, yeah, because there's uh, there's so, so much more potential for, for Rustic Artistry. And also when you're selling, you know, furniture items, you only have to sell one to make the same amount of profit as to sell many, many, you know, jars of, uh, you know, pain cream or rash cream or emu oil or whatever it is. So um, you know, the amount of effort to, uh, you know, generate, generate sales and profit is a little bit, um, easier with rustic artistry than with emu joy. Yeah. It sounds like uh, furniture, I'm assuming is a much higher price tag. So, yes. <laughs> and the nice part with that is kind of a, um, I guess there would be a, a blind item where, you know, it's not like, it's not like you go and buying a, a MacBook, right. Where everyone knows the price. There's a, there's a standard markup. Everyone kind of knows it. With furniture, you're not really sure. Um, so your margin can really depend and you can kind of make it what it is based on the, the value add, I'm guessing, right? Especially with this type of furniture because it's very, very custom and it's not something that you could find in, in any retail store. Uh, most of the artisans that I work with, they, um, they do some sales direct. They do uh, you know shows locally. And they may have some web presence, but they're not doing, um, uh, you know, they're not selling into uh, furniture stores. So people who want these kind of specialty items or, you know, really interesting uh, details, turquoise inlaid mesquite or um, 
tooled leather, um, different kinds of things like that. It's not something that's very easy to find. So that puts me in a, in a good position as being, you know, one of the only um, suppliers to, to offer that, that type of uh, decor and furniture. So rustic artistry is pure drop shipping. Yes, I don't I don't stock anything myself and even my artisans generally don't have anything on hand. Sometimes if it's a smaller decorative item, uh they may have something that they they've made a, a turquoise inlay cutting board or or something to that effect. But most of the time uh when the order comes in, I send it over to them and they make it at that time and then they ship it directly to my customer. Hmm. So you're, it's more of a, Rustic Artistry itself is more of a marketplace then, where you're basically, except you're getting the orders, um, are you taking payment and then? Yes, okay. yes, exactly what happens. So um, uh, some orders just drop into my inbox and there they are and, and there's you know no uh, effort required on my part ahead of time. Some of them take a lot of handholding and there's a lot of uh, discussion back and forth and, uh, you know, what the customer wants and what would be the best way to do it and figuring out pricing. And because we do offer customization, um, you know, it, we might have some drawings or something, you know, first to, to decide which features they want to have. So uh, it's almost a little bit like being an interior designer um, in, in that respect for, for some of the orders. Now, how did you get started with this? Were you in interior design to begin with, or where did this even, where does Idare even come from? Um, I just had, uh, I had been working as a, as a chef, and I kind of burned out on that after 17 years and wanted to have more flexibility with my time, which is pretty much the story of most people that start their own e-commerce business. And um, I was trying to decide really what type of e-commerce business to start. And I, I had a, a side interest or just sort of a side dream of, you know, wanting to have a, a little cabin in the woods someday. And so that, that type of decor appealed to me. And I just decided, you know, that's what I'll do. I'll start with, um, you know, sort of cabin cabin furnishings. And it, initially when I started, I wasn't just working only with artisans and handcrafted items. I had things that um, lamps and different kinds of things that, you know, actually had standard UPC codes and that you could buy other places. And then after a while, it morphed into working with um, just artisans. And I ended up, I decided to eliminate anything that you could literally put in an item number on Google and find that item at, you know, several different sources. And so, um, now everything that, uh, I have is, is custom made by, um, one craftsman or, you know, many different ones, but each one is one craftsman in the United States. So it's all, uh, supporting us craftsmen as well. Now, and what led you to um, make that decision to remove all the off-the-shelf items? Um, it was really a, a marketing decision and how I wanted to differentiate my business from some of the other ones that, that are out there. There are a number of other um, good e-commerce sites for uh, rustic furniture and decor. And I wanted to separate myself out from those and, and have take a different angle than they do. And there's really, to the best of my knowledge, nobody else doing anything quite like this, where it's a, um, a curated selection of artisans 
um, some of which I have gone out and pursued and some of which have found me and come to me and say, you know, would you be interested in in marketing my my items for me? Um, most artisans are really happy to to have this resource and they're happy to give up, you know, a commission because they don't have the knowledge or the time or the desire to market their stuff. They are out in their workshop and they're, you know, sawing and, and putting things together. So if somebody comes along and says, hey, I'd be happy to, you know, promote your stuff on email and Mark and Facebook and Pinterest and whatnot, they're like, sure, have at it, you know, and it's, it's been great. It's been win-win for, for all of us. And then the customer gets a really, really unique, you know, conversation starter, um, item. Hmm. I feel like the marketplace thing is like the, the Holy grail, um, that you hear a lot of people trying to start, but it's a very difficult thing to actually do, right? Because it's, you need both sides, um, to go to the artisans, the first artisan to go into them saying, I have this idea, I'm going to, I'm going to sell you stuff. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a tough sell. We don't have anyone waiting it, to actually buy the stuff. Right. Um, it really was initially. I mean, yeah, I didn't even have anything to back it up. And, you know, I'm thankful that those first few were willing to, you know, take, take the chance. And, and basically they could, because it, it was no sweat off their back. I mean, if, if I got them a sale, it was just one more sale they didn't have. So it wasn't, you know, risky really for them to say, okay, you know, here, you can use these photos of my stuff and here's what, um, you know, I need to get from you for this piece. And then I, I can mark it up from there. So was that, you your, know, initial, thought, was that your pitch to them initially? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so pretty much. Them. So, and, and I had a background in, in advertising anyhow, before I was a chef, I was, um, many years in, in advertising and marketing. So, um, you know, I, I know how to think like a marketer from, from that experience as well. And so I got a few of them enough to be able to put together a website and have some, uh, you know, some cool looking things on it and, uh, you know, started on Pinterest and Facebook then, and just picked up, you know, a little bit of traffic bit by bit. And it's just grown from there. And now, you know, I have, there's so many more artisans and pieces that I would love to put on. It's just a matter of, it takes a long time actually to create a product page and get all the pictures and, you know, get the backgrounds of the, of the garage where they're building it, you know, stripped out. Um, so I've got a lot of things in my pocket that I would like to, to add, um, and other artisans. There's, there's so much talent out there and people just don't know about it because they don't see it. I guess, how did you find the first few? I mean, were these people that were local or did, like, how did no, you even know they existed? It was a lot of it was Googling and um, there are quite a few uh, associations for artisans. There might be like Vermont woodworkers or, you know, different kinds of groups. And I would find those groups on Google and they would have a list of members. And then I would Google all those members and see if I could find anything on them and then reach out to those people um, by by email and introduce myself. So that was the, the start was really finding those, those lists of, um, craftsmen and, and, uh, artisans and reaching out to them. So the first few, you basically had to reach out, you had to reach out to them. And at some point it, I'm guessing it flips and they start reaching out to you once you're actually, you're, you're established. Um, and then, so you start with a couple and then how did you actually, you said Pinterest was how you started driving the traffic or what was that initial, like, how do you go from. 
I probably started on Pinterest because I, at back at that time, I had already been on Pinterest myself, and I had a I had a board where I just pinned a lot of you know cool looking um, cabin and ranch and lodge decor um, yep. pictures. So that particular board already had a lot of followers. So when I started the website, I turned it into a business account. And that way, right from the get-go, I already had, you know, I don't know, 6,000 followers, I guess, to start with, um, which has now grown exponentially. But that was the way I got some traction to at least get the name out there. And um, and then I started the Facebook page and, again, just started pr- posting, like, pretty pictures. Um, not my stuff, necessarily, but just photos of beautiful um, you know, cabins and homes out in the woods uh, to appeal to people that like that kind of a style. Um, so then what we do now is we mostly post those, and then every once in a while we throw in something that's, you know, one of our products to remind people, hey, we're, we're a business too. What year was that? I started in 2013. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that was more of the, the Pinterest time because now, you know, if this fast forward to 2018, you'd be saying Instagram. Um, yeah. Is that something you guys, you do today or Instagram or is that? I haven't, I haven't done Instagram, um, partly because, um, I can't pin, I can't put the same things on Instagram that I do on Facebook and Pinterest because I can't always attribute them to the source of those photos. You know, we just find them all over in Google image searches and things like that. And so on Instagram, I would really need to, uh, you know, uh, give, um, attribution to whoever's photo that was and the alternate would be to just post things from my own website but you know that's just not how it's done on on instagram you don't just want to post a bunch of of of, uh product pictures so uh, back in the day when i started you know instagram was starting back then but it was like i can only i only have so much bandwidth to do you know a, a few social media channels so at that time i picked facebook and pinterest and um, Pinterest being so visual has been really, really good. It's it's driven a lot of traffic to the site. Is that still one of your main sources of traffic? Fast forward. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, are you, and you're still doing Facebook as well. Yes. Okay. Um, yep. I have a, a VA who uh, posts for me on both of those. She's been doing it for several years, and she does a great job on that. And um, in spite of all the changes that Facebook's gone through and how, you know, much the organic reach has, has dropped, she's still very, very good at getting, uh, putting posts up there that encourage people to respond or, you know, comment or things like that. She's really good at that. So that, that helps a lot. And, um, and then she does all the, the Pinterest too. So those two, uh, media are, are, are two of the main social uh, platforms that we use. The other way that I get um, good traffic is actually through Google um, organic search and also Google image search. So I try very hard to make sure that when I put my uh, product images on the website that I write a good alt tag so that it can be discovered in Google image search. And and um, a lot of times for some of my main keywords, you know, cowhide rocker or something like that, if you do an image search, um, images from Rustagarji artistry will come right up on the, on the top row. So I know that Google image search is, is helping me, me a lot. 
Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of these images and the kind of content is very uh, unique to you. So it's not something you're getting from a manufacturer and you know one of 100 sites has the exact same image. This is exactly. unique content, unique images you're generating. Yep. Okay, so that's kind of where all the organic is coming in from. Um, you're, you're building your own content. Did you build images as well as actual text? Or? Um, I take the images that the artisans send to me um, which vary in terms of quality. And then I have the background stripped out and, you know, resized and use those as the main image. Um, and I also, um, for, for my organic SEO, I have, I use, I'm on WordPress with WooCommerce. So I use the, the Yoast, uh, SEO plugin, which is super because you can really modify the title and the meta description and I think that helps a lot to be able to get a, a bunch of keywords into the title and the meta description. And that's helping me, um, you know, rank on page one for, for a lot of uh, my search terms. So you're really spending a lot of time adding each one of these products. This isn't like a, you know, grab like a product list and just dump it into WooCommerce. No, is... it is not. It's not like, yeah, an upload or anything like that. It's literally, you know, one at a time editing. Um, putting in the main image, putting in any of the gallery images, if I have additional ones, writing the description, writing the other details, putting in all the, um, you know, the, the costs and the sizes and, and all this information I have to get from my artisans. And, you know, sometimes that's a challenge because, you know, sometimes it's pieces that they made a long time ago and they've since sold. And, um, you know, it's hard to know exactly what the dimensions are and, and things like that. So, um, it's a lot of back and forth to get all the information I need to create a product listing. Hmm. So now fast forward to today, what, you know, now that you have artisans, you have traffic, are you spending your time trying to get more artisans, more traffic, more like, where is the business headed today now? Uh, I'm spending a lot of time right now trying to get more traffic. So I've, um, in the past uh, month or two, I've, been sending out emails to print magazines and trying to get some publicity for the, the business that way. So um, just this month in September, a couple of magazines have uh, featured one of my products in, in an article. And so that's good. And that's what I really want to do and, and hopefully get in some gift guides and things like that. Um, you know, these are national publications or, or, you know, decent regional publications that I'm in for home decor. Um, and, uh, then I'll be doing the same thing with bloggers, um, you know, try to get into some gift guides for some of the, you know, not the furniture stuff, but some of the, the decorative items that, that, that I have. Um, so I really want to get the traffic up, um, on the site. It's, it's been pretty steady and, um, you know, it's, I just have to be in front of more eyes. Yeah. So it's really just building that organic SEO engine. And kind of the social, so it was, it was social as well as organic, and just building that mm -hmm. snowball going, you know, building up each each month. The other thing is that uh, you know a lot of what I sell, um, these are one time, they're one time purchases. It's not like something that somebody's going to reorder, or you know, just because somebody buys a chair doesn't mean they're going to come back and buy you know the other things. So I have to always be getting new customers. I can't count on repeat customers. Just doesn't work for this model. Yep. Did you ever encounter people saying, you know, why don't they just go directly to the artisans? Like why 
why have someone in the middle? And what's your kind of response to that? Well, I really batted that one around when I started of whether or not I wanted to include the, the full name of the artisan. Um, for that very reason, you know, for me, I think I would have probably tried to just go and, and find the artisan myself. Um, so I, I made a decision to not really publish that information so that it's not very easy for somebody to go directly to, to the artisan. Um, a lot of people, you know, once they contact me and if we have conversation, they're, they're very happy to work with me. And, and to tell you the truth, they actually aren't paying any more because, uh, you know, the artisans are giving me a, a commission off of what they would have sold it for. So it doesn't, it that wouldn't even save them any money, really. Um, but I just need them to go through me so I can get that commission. Well, and you're probably, you're providing that layer of, let's say they want to buy a, a chair. You know, one artisan makes one type of chair, but you have multiple artisans with multiple types of chairs. So they can actually browse a catalog and see, you know, 10, 20, 100, however many there are of those chairs and pick, here's the one I like best. Okay, now let's go to the artisan. So you're providing that like meta layer on top of that. Yeah, I provide a lot of customer service and I will do all the handholding that's that's needed. And uh, it's interesting because some people, you know, are very decisive and some want a lot of recommendations. And um, so I'm willing to put that time into it, um, whereas I, I don't think that all the artisans have the, the time or, or necessarily the patience to, you know, deal with that type of a customer. So let's the other side. Yeah. So you're providing that layer of, so if somebody wants to buy a, a chair, well, it's just mm -hmm. an easy example. They're talking to you before they even put in their credit card or how does that process? Oh yeah. Work? A lot of them, most of them are. Okay. Yes. There's usually, there's uh, at least several um, emails back and forth. There's often a phone conversation. Um, I might be sending them emails with pictures of um, other chairs that this artisan has done to say here's here's some things he's done in the past here's some other options you know so they get an idea of like what all their choices are because this is so customizable um you know i want them to be able to realize what they can do to to make their piece completely unique to them and so people like that because they're kind of like designing their own furniture um you know it's if it's a big uh uh leather recliner with um, beading and, um, you know, tooled leather or fringe or whatever it might be. And, you know, different colors of leather or cowhide, they can, you know, pick and choose all the different places. So, um, it takes a little while for, you know, to walk them through all those options and make them understand. And that's where, where I come in. And there's probably some options unless you've done this, unless as a consumer, unless you've done this before, you don't even realize you can customize certain things. Um, I was talking to someone the other day that got a custom um, dining room set. And they mentioned the chairs were a different height. And I thought, oh, wow, you can make chairs a different height. Like I never actually just go to the store and buy the chair and it's always the height it comes, but apparently you can. <laughs> exactly. That. In fact, we, we even often ask, you know, is the person that's going to be sitting in this chair very tall? Because if they're tall, we'll make it a little bit higher or we'll make it a little bit deeper. Um, we did a rocking chair for somebody and he was quite tall and we literally adjusted the whole thing to make it, you know, more ergonomic for him. And that's, that's the beauty of customization. So that's the message that I try to get across, um, on the website is that this is all customizable 
And, you know, just because you're seeing a picture of it like this doesn't mean that's what you have to have. That's just a jumping off point. Um, it's a tough thing to communicate, though, because people don't expect that right off the bat. So that is one of the, the challenges I have with, with uh, marketing the business is letting people know, um, you know, you can, you can have this made the way it's best for you. Yeah, it's definitely a different process to e-commerce, right? Where you're used to, hey, it runs on WooCommerce. You can come in at 3 o'clock in the morning, put your credit card in, hit order, and you'll get a tracking number in a few hours. Exactly, um, yeah. But this is more of you'll come in and hit let's talk more, and there'll be a, a process that takes place. Yes. And I have a lot of people who reach out to me by email. I have a, um, a little pop-up, a contact us form. Um, so people use that. And I have a lot of people that call directly. Uh, so I, I do get a lot of, um, customer, you know, contact before there's ever a sale. And is that something you handle all on your own or do you have a team? Yes. Of this? This is all I you? do. I do all that. And I like that. That's part of what, what I enjoy is, um, is talking to the customers. And that's part of my, my business model is that, you know, I, I will do that with you and, and people appreciate that. So part of it's almost more of a consulting type service than an actual just Correct. You know, it's not pure e-commerce where you come on and, you know, buy exactly. it. Okay. Yep. So you're actually providing like this layer of consulting essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. So what's kind of next for the business? Where do you kind of see it going from here? What do you, you know, what's on the, the roadmap? Uh, I'd like to do more business with interior designers. And I have had um, some projects that I've done with interior designers designers. And that would be one of my goals because, um, that's one of the ones that might have repeat business. Um, and, and one of them has come back to me and, and, um, we just actually built a prototype of a leather and cowhide bar stool for them. So I'm waiting to hear on that. And, um, so, so interior designers would be one and, um, and then just, you know, getting more artisans. And I want to expand into a little bit more now of the rustic modern, because that's, that's a trend in rustic, not just, and, and I try not to have real, uh, like, um, I don't know, not like the kitschy kind of stuff. Um, I like this stuff, my furniture to be more sophisticated, um, not so cutesy. So this is what I consider rustic elegant items. And um, there's a lot of trend I see in, in towards more modern rustic uh, furniture. So I'll probably be looking for artisans that, that have that type of aesthetic in, in what they create. Hmm. Do you do uh, commercial at all as well, residential? It's almost entirely residential, but I've had some lighting fixtures and chandeliers and things that have gone into commercial uh, spaces. And I just quoted on a big twig chandelier, 50 inch twig chandelier that would be going into a, a commercial space if, if they purchase that. Yeah, I kind of picture some stuff like that as well as repeat customers, you know, a restaurant, a, a chain of them will constantly need more. Um, mm -hmm. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah, so that's a whole nother <laughs> target that I could, you know, look at is, um, you know, hotels, even, um, you know, small inns and, and things like that, especially out west. And they, you know, want to have beautiful furnishings for their their guests. So, uh, you know, that's that would be something else that I you know, could look for is the contacts for those types of places. Hmm. Very cool. I like, I like to ask a lot of guests too, what kind of reading and what have you kind of read or listened to or consumed that has kind of shaped your, um, 
your your mindset into doing something like this? Any good books, podcasts, or what do you kind of the, the, the two that I started out with were, um, and this goes back to almost 2012, was e-commerce fuel and um, my wife, which is Andrew Udarian's uh, podcast and website, and my wife quit her job, which is uh, with Steve Chu. And I think those two had pretty much just started at that point, too. And it was from their little trainings and Andrew had a little ebook out on how to start your e-commerce business. And it was like, you know, boxes that you checked off, do this, do this, get your LLC, you know, get a bank account. And that was exactly what I needed to get started. And, you know, it, it literally walked me step by step by step what I needed to do to get, get the business off the ground. And I've since come to know Andrew and Steve really, really well. And we see each other a couple times a year at, at, at the conferences. So those two podcasts are two of my favorites. Um, and another one that I would highly recommend for your listeners would be Ecom Crew, which is Mike Jackness and Dave Bryant. Um, I know Mike well, and he's a, he's a great guy and they have tons and tons of good information. Uh, a lot of Amazon stuff because they're experienced on that, but also, you know, e-commerce in general, they both run non-Amazon businesses as well. Um, so that one is good. And, um, uh, Austin Bronner has, um, e-commerce influence. That's a great one. And Neil Patel's marketing school I listen to as well. So those are the, I, I have a lot of podcasts. I'm kind of a po podcast junkie. So when I, you know, do my walks, I'm listening to podcasts. When I'm in the car, I'm listening to podcasts. Um, the problem with that is that I always get these like great ideas from something I'm listening to, but I'm driving. So I have to try to remember it when I get back. But uh, I, I love listening to Ecom podcasts. That's pretty much all, all, I, uh, all I listen to on, on my podcast uh, app. And then as far as books, um, one of the books that made a big difference for me is called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. And um, it's a system of doing your finances and your books where you have separate bank accounts, separate checking accounts for your income, your inventory, your operating expenses, profit owners pay in taxes. And as the money comes in twice a month, you allocate it in percentages to those other accounts and you make sure that you always allocate some money into the profit account so that no matter what, you know, your business is, is making some profit. And it's really helped me get a, a better grip on how I'm spending my money, where it's going, you know, what I'm doing. So um, Profit First has been really, really helpful. And a lot of people in the uh, e-commerce fuel forum, which is the, the private forum I'm in, um, they have started using that. And um, everybody seems to really, really like that. Yeah, that's one of those things. And the whole thing with uh, profit first. So the whole concept, right, is you profit first, right? And that uh, that's kind of airmarked as this is the profit instead of going the other way that a lot of people go where, you know, you come in, you pay your bills. And at the end of the month, you say, hey, what's left over? And that's your exactly. profit. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. His whole thing is more coming up with a system of X percent of gross is going to be that's airmarked as profit. And then anything left over is your advertising budget and whatever else operational costs and yeah so you, you set up your percentages so yep. you know currently i have it set up so that the first five percent goes into profit and then i have percentages for all the other things um you know depending on on what i need them for and you try to keep those percentages consistent um you know sometimes things come up a big expense and you know you've got to make some adjustments but it's 
for the most part, it's like that. And the other thing is you do it twice a month. So you're really in your numbers twice a month looking at it and, um, you know, uh, paying off the credit card, actually, whatever is on the credit card twice a month. So that never gets uh, out of control either. Yeah, that's a good tip for, especially for e-commerce, where I feel like, you know, it's a large cash business where, you know, if you're doing it at the end of the month, you could be at a place where there's nothing left. Um, yep. So having that concept of saying, I know it's going to be 5% um, based on last month and let's roll that forward and just plan that out ahead of time, probably get you, um, you know, to have a, a plan each month and know and this is what we can expect. If we get the gross hair, this will be next month and see the kind of projections. It keeps you on top too of uh, expenses. You know, a lot of us uh, tend to sign up for different SaaS apps. <laughs> and then sometimes those can, you know, you think you're just doing the one month free and then all of a sudden it's billing you and, you know, that's billing you again. And those can start to get out of hand. So by looking at it that closely and, and that frequently, it prevents you from, you know, throwing money away at apps that, you know, sounded interesting, but then you tur turns out you're not even really using them. Yep. But yeah, that's a that's a great recommendation. I feel like not enough people uh, know about that, and that's a fantastic book. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I think um, that will definitely be helpful to a lot of folks. So any kind of last advice, or what can some uh, where what can folks find you if they want to learn more? Um, they can uh, reach me at um, either of my websites, Carol C A R O L E, and it's either at rusticartistry.com or at emujoy.com. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Carol. I'll definitely uh, link to everything also in the show notes. So thank you very much. I think this will be super helpful. Okay. Hope, hope I uh, imparted a little bit of wisdom um, for your, your listeners. And uh, yeah, I would say, you know, for anybody that's got a, a visually uh, interesting product line is, you know, make sure your, your images are well marked up for, for alt tags um, because I think Google image search is one of the, the sort of, um, lesser known ways of getting some good traffic. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if you have things that aren't just me too products that, you know, it's that everybody else has, if you've got something, you know, uh, clothing or things like that, um, uh, definitely take, take a look and take some time in, in, in updating that, uh, those image tags. Awesome recommendation. Thank you very much for that. Okay. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. Great talking to you.